0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast is a reading of From Beyond by H.P. Lovecraft. It's read by Martin Rato for Legamus. It runs 19 minutes and we will be discussing it afterward.
1: From Beyond by Howard Phillips Lovecraft Read by Martin Rato That Crawford Tillinghast should ever have studied science and philosophy was a mistake. These things should be left to the frigid and impersonal investigator, for they offer two equally tragic alternatives to the man of feeling and action— "'despair if he fail in his quest, "'and terrors unutterable and unimaginable if he succeed. "'Tilingas had once been the prey of failure, "'solitary and melancholy, "'but now I knew with nauseating fears of my own "'that he was the prey of success. "'I had indeed warned him ten weeks before "'when he burst forth with his tale "'of what he felt himself about to discover. "'He'd been flushed and excited then.' talking in a high and unnatural, though always pedantic, voice. "'What do we know,' he'd said, "'of the world and the universe about us? "'Our means of receiving impressions are absurdly few, "'and our notions of surrounding objects infinitely narrow. "'We see things only as we're constructed to see them, "'and can gain no idea of their absolute nature.' With five feeble senses we pretend to comprehend the boundlessly complex cosmos, yet other beings with wider, stronger, or different range of senses might not only see very differently the things we see, but might see and study whole worlds of matter, energy, and life which lie close at hand, yet can never be detected with the senses we have. I have always believed that such strange, inaccessible worlds exist at our very elbows— and now I believe I've found a way to break down the barriers. I am not joking. Within twenty-four hours that machine near the table will generate waves acting on unrecognized sense organs that exist in us as atrophied or rudimentary vestiges. Those waves will open up to us many vistas unknown to man and several unknown to anything we consider organic life. We shall see that at which dogs howl in the dark, and that at which cats prick up their ears after midnight. We shall see these things and other things which no breathing creature has yet seen. We shall overleap time, space, and dimensions, and without bodily motion peer to the bottom of creation. When Tillinghast said these things I remonstrated, for I knew him well enough to be frightened rather than amused, but he was a fanatic and drove me from the house, Now he was no less a fanatic, but his desire to speak had conquered his resentment, and he'd written me imperatively in a hand I could scarcely recognize. As I entered the abode of the friend so subtly metamorphosed to a shivering gargoyle, I became affected with the terror which seemed stalking in all the shadows.' The words and beliefs expressed ten weeks before seemed bodied forth in the darkness beyond the small circle of candlelight, and I sickened at the hollow, altered voice of my host. I wish the servants were about and did not like it when he said they'd all left three days previously. It seemed strange that old Gregory, at least, should desert his master without telling as tried a friend as I— It was he who had given me all the information I had of Tillinghast after I was repulsed in rage. Yet I soon subordinated all my fears to my growing curiosity and fascination. Just what Crawford Tillinghast now wished of me I could only guess, but that he had some stupendous secret or discovery to impart I could not doubt. Before I protested at his unnatural pryings into the unthinkable— Now that he'd evidently succeeded to some degree, I almost shared his spirit, terrible though the cost of victory appeared. Up through the dark emptiness of the house I followed the bobbing candle in the hand of the shaking parody on man. The electricity seemed to be turned off, and when I asked my guide he said it was for a definite reason. It would be too much, I would not dare, he continued to mutter, I especially noted his new habit of muttering, for it was not like him to talk to himself. We entered the laboratory in the attic, and I observed that detestable electrical machine, glowing with a sickly, sinister violet luminosity. It was connected with a powerful chemical battery, but seemed to be receiving no current, for I recalled that in its experimental stage it had sputtered and purred when in action. In reply to my question, Tillinghast mumbled that this permanent glow was not electrical in any sense that I could understand. He now seated me near the machine, so that it was on my right, and turned a switch somewhere below the crowning cluster of glass bulbs. The usual sputtering began, turned to a whine, and terminated in a drone so soft as to suggest a return to silence— Meanwhile the luminosity increased, waned again, then assumed a pale outre color or blend of colors which I could neither place nor describe. Tillinghast had been watching me and noted my puzzled expression. "'Do you know what that is?' he whispered. "'That is ultraviolet.' He chuckled oddly at my surprise. "'You thought ultraviolet was invisible, and so it is.' "'But you can see that and many other invisible things now. "'Listen to me. "'The ways from that thing are waking a thousand sleeping senses in us, "'senses which we inherit from aeons of evolution, "'from the state of detached electrons to the state of organic humanity. "'I have seen the truth, and I intend to show it to you. "'Do you wonder how it will seem? "'I'll tell you.' "'Here Tillinghast seated himself directly opposite me.' "'blowing out his candle and staring hideously into my eyes. "'Your existing sense-organs, ears first, I think, "'will pick up many of the impressions, "'for they are closely connected with the dormant organs. "'Then there will be others. "'You've heard of the pineal gland? i laugh at the shallow endocrinologist, "'fellow dupe and fellow parvenu of the Freudian.' That gland is the great sense-organ of organs, I have found out. It is like sight in the end, and transmits visual pictures to the brain. If you are normal, that is the way you ought to get most of it. I mean, get most of the evidence from beyond. I looked about the immense attic room with the sloping south wall, dimly lit by rays which the everyday eye cannot see. The far corners were all shadows, and the whole place took on a hazy unreality which obscured its nature and invited the imagination to symbolism and phantasm. During the interval that Tillingast was long silent, I fancied myself as some vast, incredible temple of long-dead gods, some vague edifice of innumerable black stone columns reaching up from a floor of damp slabs to a cloudy height beyond the range of my vision. The picture was very vivid for a while, but gradually gave way to a more horrible conception, that of utter, absolute solitude and infinite, sightless, soundless space. There seemed to be a void and nothing more, and I felt a childish fear which prompted me to draw from my hip pocket the revolver I carried after dark since the night I was held up in East Providence. Then from the farthermost regions of remoteness— The sound softly glided into existence. It was infinitely faint, subtly vibrant, and unmistakably musical, but held a quality of surpassing wildness which made its impact feel like a delicate torture of my whole body. I felt sensations like those one feels when accidentally scratching ground glass. Simultaneously there developed something like a cold draft, "'which apparently swept past me from the direction of the distant sound. "'As I waited breathlessly, I perceived that both sound and wind were increasing, "'the effect being to give me an odd notion of myself as tied to a pair of rails "'in the path of a gigantic approaching locomotive. "'I began to speak to Tillingast, and as I did so, "'all the unusual impressions abruptly vanished.' I saw only the man, the glowing machines and the dim apartment. Tellingast was grinning repulsively at the revolver which I'd almost unconsciously drawn, but from his expression I was sure he'd seen and heard as much as I, if not a great deal more. I whispered what I'd had experienced, and he bade me to remain as quiet and receptive as possible. Don't move, he cautioned. "'for in these rays we're able to be seen as well as to see. "'I told you the servants left, but I didn't tell you how. "'It was that thick-witted housekeeper. "'She turned on the lights downstairs after I'd warned her not to, "'and the wires picked up sympathetic vibrations. "'It must have been frightful. "'I could hear the screams up here in spite of all I was seeing "'and hearing from another direction.' and later it was rather awful to find those empty heaps of clothes around the house. Mrs. Updike's clothes were close to the front hall switch. That's how I know she did it. It got them all. But so long as we don't move, we're fairly safe. Remember, we're dealing with a hideous world in which we're practically helpless. Keep still.' The combined shock of the revelation and of the abrupt command gave me a kind of paralysis, and in my terror my mind again opened to the impressions coming from what Tillinghast called beyond. I was now in a vortex of sound and motion with confused pictures before my eyes. I saw the blurred outlines of the room, but from some point in space there seemed to be pouring a seething column of unrecognizable shapes or clouds— penetrating the solid roof at a point ahead and to the right of me. Then I glimpsed the temple-like effect again, but this time the pillars reached up into an aerial ocean of light, which sent down one blinding beam along the path of the cloudy column I'd seen before. After that the scene was almost wholly kaleidoscopic, and in the jumble of sights, sounds, and unidentified sense impressions I felt that I was about to dissolve or in some way lose the solid form. One definite flash I shall always remember. I seemed for an instant to behold a patch of strange night sky filled with shining revolving spheres, and as it receded I saw that the glowing suns formed a constellation or galaxy of settled shape, the shape being the distorted face of Crawford Tillingast. At another time I felt the huge animate things brushing past me and occasionally walking or drifting through my supposedly solid body and thought I saw Tillingas look at them as though his better trained senses could catch them visually. I recalled what he'd said of the pineal gland and wondered what he saw with this preternatural eye. Suddenly I myself became possessed of a kind of augmented sight. Over and above the luminous and shadowy chaos arose a picture which, though vague, held the elements of consistency and permanence. It was indeed somewhat familiar, for the unusual part was superimposed upon the usual terrestrial scene, much as a cinema view may be thrown upon the painted curtain of a theatre. I saw the attic laboratory, the electrical machine, and the unsightly form of tilling gas opposite me, but of all the space unoccupied by familiar objects not one particle was vacant. Indescribable shapes, both alive and otherwise, were mixed in disgusting disarray, and close to every known thing were whole worlds of alien, unknown entities.' It likewise seemed that all the known things entered into the composition of other unknown things, and vice versa. Foremost among the living objects were inky, jellyfish monstrosities, which flabbily quivered in harmony with the vibrations from the machine. They were present in loathsome profusion, and I saw to my horror that they overlapped, that they were semi-fluid and capable of passing through one another and through what we know as solids." These things were never still, but seemed ever floating about with some malignant purpose. Sometimes they appeared to devour one another, the attacker launching itself at its victim and instantaneously obliterating the latter from sight. Shudderingly I felt that I knew what had obliterated the unfortunate servants, and could not exclude the thing from my mind as I strove to observe other properties of the newly visible world that lies unseen around us. But Tillinghast had been watching me and was speaking. You see them? You see them? You see the things that float and flop about you and through you every moment of your life? You see the creatures that form what men call the pure air and the blue sky? Have I not succeeded in breaking down the barrier? Have I not shown you worlds that no other living men have seen? I heard a scream through the horrible chaos and looked at the wild face thrust so offensively close to mine. His eyes were pits of flame, and they glared at me with what I now saw was overwhelming hatred. The machine droned detestably. You think those floundering things wiped out the servants? Fool. They're harmless. But the servants are gone, aren't they? You tried to stop me. You discouraged me when I needed every drop of encouragement I could get. You were afraid of the cosmic truth, you damn coward, but now I've got you. What swept up the servants? What made them scream so loud? Don't know, eh? You'll know soon enough. Look at me. Listen to what I say. Do you suppose there are really any such things as time and magnitude? Do you fancy there are such things as form or matter? I tell you, I have struck depths that your little brain can't picture. I've seen beyond the bounds of infinity and drawn down demons from the stars. I have harnessed the shadows that stride from world to world to sow death, and madness. Space belongs to me, do you hear? "'Things are hunting me now, the things that devour and dissolve. "'But I know how to elude them. "'It is you they will get, as they got the servants. "'Stirring, dear sir, I told you it was dangerous to move. "'I've saved you so far by telling you to keep still. "'Saved you to see more sights and to listen to me. "'If you'd moved, they would have been at you long ago. "'Don't worry, they won't hurt you. "'They didn't hurt the servants.' "'It was the seeing that made the poor devil scream so. "'My pets are not pretty, for they come out of places where aesthetic standards are very different.' "'Disintegration is quite painless, I assure you. "'But I want you to see them. "'I almost saw them, but I knew how to stop. "'You're curious?' "'I always knew you were no scientist. "'Trembling, eh? "'Trembling with anxiety to see the ultimate things I've discovered.' "'Why don't you move, then? Tired?' "'Well, don't worry, my friend, for they are coming. "'Look, look, you! look. "'It's just over your left shoulder.' "'What remains to be told is very brief "'and may be familiar to you from the newspaper accounts. "'The police heard a shot in the old Tillinghast house "'and found us there, Tillinghast dead and me unconscious. "'They arrested me because the revolver was in my hand.' but released me in three hours after they found it was apoplexy which had finished Dillinghast and saw that my shot had been directed at the noxious machine which now lay hopelessly shattered on the laboratory floor. I did not tell very much of what I had seen, for I feared the coroner would be skeptical. But from the evasive outline I did give, the doctor told me that I had undoubtedly been hypnotized by the vindictive and homicidal madman. I wish I could believe that, doctor. It would help my shaky nerves if I could dismiss what I now have to think of the air and the sky about and above me. I never feel alone or comfortable, and a hideous sense of pursuit sometimes comes chillingly on me when I am weary. What prevents me from believing the doctor is one simple fact— that the police never found the bodies of those servants whom they say Crawford Tillingast murdered.
0: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Jim. Hello, I'm Paul. And we're going to talk about From Beyond by H.P. Lovecraft, a short story first published in The Fantasy Fan, June 1934, and uh, later in Weird Tales, uh, February 1938. Um, no illustrations in the Weird Tales. I was disappointed by that, because I I really love to see the originals. There is no original illustration for the Weird Tales version, Um, but I think this is one of the stories that people just love to illustrate. I did my own version. I looked around. There's a Lego movie version. There's two movie versions. I think this is uh, one of those stories that is... Very popular for adaptation, not just because it's short, but because it really uh, it it sort of has to be visualized in a certain sense. And uh, I know, uh, Paul, you didn't get a chance to watch the 1986 movie adaptation titled From Beyond, but um, I think what they did there is they they took. What is the character of Lovecraft, um, which is the Baroque language, the uh, heavy adjectives. And they said, yeah, we can't do that on film. It doesn't work. So what we're going to do is do sort of comedy, uh, gore, um, sex, uh, and replaced the adjectives and the sort of the oblique language that is so beautiful on the page. And and still did the story, kind of. What do you think, Mr. Jimun? you've seen from beyond? Many, uh, many, many times back in the day. <laughs> it's really scary looking uh, with all the horrible monsters in the trailer. makes it look scary, too. But, well, I think they really, really went for I mean, the 80s was a,
2: a golden age, I think, of uh, practical special effects. And mm-hmm. particularly in the late 80s, um, people had moved away from the gore effects pioneered by the likes of uh, Tom Savini and Stan Winston, and a lot of the effects artists themselves wanted to do more than just an axe in their head. You know, these guys grew up reading famous monsters and watching universal horror movies. They, wanted to make, you know, they got into makeup because they wanted to make monsters, and at the end of the 80s they got filmmakers going, yeah, yeah, let's really go for this sort of fantastic horror mm-hmm. rather than slasher horror. And from beyond, I think he's probably the pinnacle of kind of "Hey guys, go nuts, make us some monsters from another dimension, and just you know go as crazy as you like."
0: <laughs> yeah, you can actually see that it's it's uh, a little less slasher even than than the previous Stuart Gordon movie, uh, Reanimator, right? Mm. It, which it, it has you know severed heads and stuff, but uh, this this is sort of uh, uh, full. Uh, I don't know makeup effects that barely, you can't even tell if it's a person or not sometimes Um, and I I don't think that that's exactly in this, the story but it's it's somehow faithful in a certain sense, even though uh, it moves characters around, yeah, it seems like it shouldn't be, but um, one of the things I noticed in just rereading this story this morning um, is that the servants Uh, Right, they. He said, uh, uh, "Don't worry about the servants; they all left three days ago." Um, And then there's a little line a little later on that says uh, he found that uh, that their clothes were. He found piles of their clothes around the house. Mm. Yep, and so it's like they were taken, right? But they only their flesh, right? Only their bodies, not their their possessions the facts, yeah and i think that that's really interesting and i i uh i i it got me thinking about um the story you did recently mr jim moon which i i don't know if you've read paul but it's wonderful uh the hounds of tindalos by frank belknap long belknap or belknap <laughs> long is it, but, is
3: creature, but not the actual story
0: Oh, you're familiar with it from like a game? It's used in games?
3: Well, for, 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 yeah, uh, the um, Kenneth Heights uh, Trail of Cthulhu is a role-playing game based uh, based on the Gumshoe system. It's basically Lovecraft Lovecraft uh, role-playing game. It's an update. It's kind of like an updated way of the old Call of Cthulhu game. And there's tons of creatures, including the aforementioned hounds. Mm. He also yeah, he's also written about them. So I haven't read that particular story, but I'm I I know of the Hounds and have Mm -hmm. used versions of the Hounds in my own games, but I haven't actually read this story. I should, but on the to-do list.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, you can listen to Mr. Jim Moon's reading of it on his podcast. It was really, really good. Um,
3: What podcast is that, Jim?
2: That's the Hypnogoria podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Find Stitcher, it, it iTunes, and other places.
0: <laughs> so, uh, did that have anything to do with, was it just a coincidence that uh, you were reading that? Because we had From Beyond on the schedule for a while. Well, kinda, I was looking for a story because I'd
2: just done two shows on Stranger Things. Right. Which involves people um, uh, with uh, strange psychic powers going to another realm and gates opening and monsters coming through and the Hounds of the Tindalo seemed a very sort of good fit and um, so like next month I'm sort of following it up with a reading of a Clark Ashton Smith story which is quite similar uh, Ubo Sattler mm. which again is about someone who um, in this case it's a the MacGuffin is a, you know a, a pale crystal that dates back from Hyperborea, which when you gaze uh-huh. into it it sends you he allows you to travel back through time to the, you know, to go to back to the ultimate source, mm. um, which is the same kind of is that aspect of mental sort of time traveling uh, Hounds of Tindalos. But and I think Hounds of Tindalos, I think must have borrowed something from, from beyond because it's, there's a whole sort of speech at the beginning from the protagonist, this uh, dilettante occultist to, uh, you know, he wants to explore the fourth dimension and through, you know, meditating on mathematical formula, using occult rites and taking an ancient Chinese drug. He thinks he can break through the fourth dimension and and perceive time as a dimension or rather space time and, and be able to, you know, see beyond the veil. And it's kind of, that does strike me as this elaboration of, um, from beyond. I mean, what I find interesting in the movie, it is kind of, you've opened a gate to a world of monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, and they will come and eat you because if you can see them, they can see you. Um, uh-huh. The ravenous bug blatter beast of trial principle, we might call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the original story, though, you have it's far more cosmic. Uh, the, the idea of kind of it's not just you know it's it's not just kind of a horror SF sort of Narnian wardrobe. Uh, Effect, you know, the tilling gas resonator is showing you different levels of reality that are coterminous with our own. And again, it is a very early Lovecraft story and written 1920, I think, published mm-hmm. years later. But again, it's one of these ones um, that has so many seeds of what he'll later come back to. And in this, you know, before kind of. the the narrator begins to perceive the monsters he has these flashes of these strange sort of you know cyclopean temples Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is kind of different layers of reality he's sort of piercing through before it's you know it's going to get to the dangerous levels um on on another level this also reminds me of uh, an arthur conan doyle story which one um <clears throat> it's the uh and the names the horror from the heights oh. right okay because, but i mean that's a more mundane version but the idea is you know this uh you know aircraft you know pioneer is seeking to fly higher and higher and once he pierces the upper levels of the stratosphere he finds there's an ecosystem up there of you know they're strange jellyfish like creatures like in from beyond however uh-huh. they also have predators <laughs> a huge te- beaked terror that uh you know, will prey upon him and anyone who ventures
0: into its, you know, airy realm. I think this is uh this is actually something I've hooked on to as well. I just made a pre-joke because I i accidentally said that. But uh there's this guy, Robert Hook. <laughs> you might have heard of him. He's a scientist in uh, uh, uh rival of Newton, I believe. yeah Um mm-hmm. he in the Royal Society. Um and he put out a book in sixteen sixty five that um was a big sensation um, and it's called Micrographia. Uh, And if you look on Wikipedia, there's some beautiful illustrations from it there. His drawings of what he's seeing through a microscope. Most people don't have microscopes in 1665, right? This Mm -hmm. is very rare. Um, But he put out this book and it was immensely uh, influential, showing all the living things that are all over your body and all over your house that, are there and the permeate reality but were previously unseen um uh, there's a similar uh, story that right i guess around the time that uh hook was put, doing his book uh antoine von Leeuwenhoek, uh he's a, sort of the inventor of microscopy um yep. grinding his own lenses um he starts writing letters to the Royal Society about basically what sounds like creatures from beyond, right? He's yeah. he's he's putting uh, slides of household objects and and water under his microscope and finding monsters, creatures uh, that have amorphous shapes, amoebas, all right? And um, finding that there's nothing that doesn't have Living creatures all over it. This mm-hmm. reality uh, of, of of beings beyond what we can see permeates our reality. And this is sort of there's a stage when you're a kid, uh, maybe adult too, when you start when you realize that uh, micro microscopic creatures exist and that they're on you right now, and that they're maybe in you, and you start. Worrying about disinfecting yourself, and and then understanding, and most people don't get this. The people who are still disinfecting everything all, all the time, understanding that you can't escape. In no amount of cleaning will ever let you escape these creatures. And in fact, you know, they the, the part of uh, a part of our own biology is full of these things. Uh, our gut flora, right, keep us alive, and yeah. you can't live without them um it it's foolish to try and you know scrub clean your world um but if you start thinking about you know all the creatures that live in your eyebrow hairs and, and what on your and, skin on your in, skin in,
3: and in your intestine yeah it's and kind of floating like... in
0: your eyes right uh, those little Ugh. right yeah. it becomes like a nightmare uh just as the kind as uh, depicted in from beyond, not just the movie but in the story. And I think that is so interesting that the 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 monologues that Tillinghast gives um, are essentially essentially just saying, you know, look through this telescope, look through this microscope, see what you didn't know was there, and it will blow your mind.
3: Yeah, I, I want to read. I want to read a little bit from these do. This. Okay, so. Foremost among the living objects were inky jellyfish monstrosities which flabbily clivered in harmony with the vibrations from the machine. They were present in loathsome profusion, and I saw to my heart that they overlapped, that they were semi-fluid and capable of passing through one another and through what we know as solids. These things were never still but seemed ever floating about with some malignant purpose. Sometimes they appeared to devour one another, the attacker launching itself at its victim and instantaneously obliterating the latter from sight. Shudderingly, I felt that I knew what had obliterated the unfortunate servants. I could not exclude the things from my mind as I strove to observe other properties of the newly visible world that lies unseen around us. So, yeah, it's it's like he's he's looking through a microscope for the first time. I mean, Lovecraft extends it by having the horror of, okay, not only can you see these things, but once you can see this, they can see you. You're, it's almost as if your ignorance is a protection from nope. almost everybody. Being ignorant of them is a good thing because then they don't know to act against you. But once you once you are uh, tuned into them and can see them, then they will act against you. I'm reminded of a Doctor – of, of uh, my, New Doctor Who. I'm reminded of uh, a couple of episodes involving a species that has in, invaded Earth called the Silence – and you can't see them because you keep – they keep making sure that you forget them mm-hmm. as soon as they look away. But once – there are tricks you can do to try to make sure that you are conscious that you're – you're that they're there and they're acting. And once you do that, they start acting against you because you know their secret. I mean for most of humanity, it doesn't matter. They can't remember it. But for those who start remembering and acting against the silence, then things – then the silence starts acting against them. I'm, I'm almost certain. Yeah, they were, they were thinking of this of this story and the whole idea of once you observe the unknown, the unknown starts observing you and starts acting against you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's certainly the case that if if you keep foremost in your mind the the size of the Earth in relation to the size of the universe, mm-hmm. um, you will have a certain feeling about reality. That if you keep that foremost in your mind. You will have a, a feeling about reality that is incommensurate with uh, you know uh, washing the dishes and uh, <laughs> worrying about worrying about tomorrow's homework because it just doesn't it doesn't they're incommensurate right um, but I want to read a little earlier in the story where Tillinghast just starts going off about what he's found right this is why I'm awesome is what <laughs> he's he's a mad scientist right. Um, and it's having a negative impression on his personality, his friendships, his his uh, domestic life. Um, but it's also it's also fascinating. So I want to read this bit here. Our means of receiving impressions are absurdly few. So uh, the five senses, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we see things only as they are. Const- we are constructed to see them and can gain no idea of their absolute nature. Life and those which, uh, sorry, uh, the things we see uh, and study are whole worlds, energy and life, which lie close at hand, yet can never be detected with the senses that we have. And he says, I believe I have found a way to break down the barriers. And he, this is prior to him turning the machine on, right? Then his friend goes away for 10 weeks, says, this guy's nuts sends the doctor by, oh, maybe that's, no, that's the other story. That's the Hounds of Tindalos, right? It's the exact same parallel. That's why there's these uh-huh. two stories are so close. In the Hounds of Tindalos, the friend visits the guy's acting nuts. He says, I'm going to take this drug, and he says, ah, whatever. And he goes away, and he comes back, and the guy's uh, even nutser. Um <laughs> I'm going to send the doctor. Um, within 24 hours, this machine near the table will generate waves acting on unrecognized sense organs that exist within us as atrophied or rudimentary vestiges. Those waves will open up to us many vistas unknown to man and several unknown to anything we consider organic life. We shall see that at which dogs howl in the dark and that which cats prick up their ears after midnight. We shall see these and the other things which no breathing creature has yet seen, we shall overleap time and space and dimension, and without bodily motion, peer to the bottom of creation. And that, I think that's that line that got me so uh, hooked right into Hook and uh-huh. his book, because peering to the bottom of creation is uh, is looking at the a telescope, um, a microscope, and seeing unicellular life, right? But it's right. also staring, peering down the tube of a, a telescope, and looking not just deep into space, but back into time. And
3: oh, that, okay, go ahead.
0: Uh, I just I, I, think, yeah. I think that that's so. Um, this story is an analogy for the product of science, right? Just throwing people into. Despair almost at our position, and because uh, Lovecraft's this sort of seventeenth-century gentleman, and the books he's reading are seventeenth-century gentlemen's books. <laughs> these are these are the natural reactions of a seventeenth-century gentleman who is who is a, a sort of fancies himself a member of the royal society, whether he is or not, an Anglophile who's uh, you know. N- Not worried about work, but can ponder these things. Notice that none of the characters in From Beyond or uh, or the Hounds of Tindalos have jobs. They're (laughs) hobbyists. Um, I think this—it's just an amazing um, parallel, and I think that's why the story works. It's—it's talking about something real.
3: That makes that makes an interesting uh, jumping off point to the other From Beyond adaptation uh, Banshee chapter, mm. which I did watch last night. For had the you first seen time. it before? Oh, okay.
0: No, I had not. And what did you think of it?
3: Um, it it's it, it, for those listeners who haven't seen it's a very low budget sort of almost shaky canvas, sort of found footage look at a modern take on the banshee chapter where a a journalist's form, former friend from college takes a drug disappears and then she goes to she goes down the rabbit hole trying to unearth what happened to her and it turns out it's not it's not machines unlocking the uh potential reality it's uh drugs created by uh the CIA basically but it, I found it interesting that the story actually explicitly references from Beyond.
0: Yeah, I, w- I want to extract that little bit uh, and just listen to it. I think it'd be a great YouTube clip because it it's just him telling the, the premise of from Beyond, and and then she says that's a real fucked up story to tell me right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the story that you're watching in the film, right? Uh,
3: that the I I, I found the, I found the movie quite interesting and entertaining especially once it started really taking an extra Lovecraftian and, and almost Dickian premise of which reality are we actually in did she actually take the drug is she really seeing these things the revelation at the end kind of kind of confirms what really happened and why things are so tuned in but it's it's, it's kind of kind of kind of a re- weird uh, acid trip I mean it it does keep things off screen and does a lot of that flashing bulb cutaway to not let us see what's going on. It has all and, those tropes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it lets the uh, the viewer kind of uh, fill in the gaps. And watching this uh, at night in a relatively dark room is not a good idea. Oh yeah, it, it, it did it did affect <laughs> my dreams last night. Let's oh, just say. Sorry. So that no 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 it's it, it's all it's all good it's. It just goes goes into the uh, subconscious. Grist. Like, I I woke up from the dream. I didn't go through a through a bronze gate. So it's all good. Lucky, <laughs> Mr. Jim.
0: Have you seen this movie? I've not.
2: No, I've been meaning to catch it for ages. I meant to try and catch it this week, and obviously time was against me.
0: <laughs> well, uh, what I think is interesting is I I watched it, rewatched it for this, and I thought, um, I thought it was yeah, it was a. Fairly faithful in a very strange way, adaptation of From Beyond, um, except it uses a drug instead of uh, of uh, a machine. But on the other hand, I'm I also think it's as equally uh, an adaptation of The Hounds of Tindalos because it has these uh, the pursuit, not just uh, you know you know a predator a predator eating you know a servant. as we have in From Beyond, the story. But also, um, you're sort of, once you are attuned to this world, you've had your pineal gland stimulated, right? And that's explicitly referenced in the film. Uh Um, You are like a radio uh, transmitter to these creatures. and, And they hunt you down in the same way as they are hunted in, uh, the the main character's friend is hunted in the Hounds of Tindalos. He, he knows they're after him. Um, and the film does an amazing job, I think, with audio. Um, with the cue, the the radio cue, um, they're approaching, right? Any electronic signal, uh, mm-hmm. any speaker system will start picking up the sound of uh, an approaching creature. And um, or being whatever it is, approaching uh, as if they are radioactive and transmitting this signal, and of course it it adds in a layer that's not in the book uh, about number stations, which I think everybody, if they don't yeah. know, would be mm-hmm. fascinated with, right?
3: One mm-hmm. of the strangest true things that are in our world
0: today, right? Uh, it is, and uh, and unexplained except you know the way it's explained is. Uh, I, I think they did a good job in the film of saying, you know, uh, she consults an expert who works in a quote unquote TV repair shop, which is hilarious because no such place <laughs> exist now, as far as I know. Um, and he is, uh, she she asks him, "Did you used to work for the NSA?" After he explains what a number station is and what they are thought to be. And he says, I would prefer not to answer that or something like that, to that effect. So we get the sense that he knows what's going on. Um, but the way it's done in the film, the, I think it actually is picking up something in the story. This story is very um, influential in that one of the things that uh, Tillingas says about what, why the servants are dead, it's not that he wanted to punish them like he wants to punish uh, our narrator. Uh, rather, he says that she foolishly turned on a light, um, which uh, the the electrical circuit, uh, once activated, brought down the death upon her, right? Brought down the her, uh, what's he called it, um, dissolving. Right? Uh-huh. She was dissolved. Um, they knew where she was because she in, interacted with the electrical system. That's, that's uh, kind of what's going on in, in, the, in the film Banshee Chapter 2. I think it's, it, it's uh, although it's quite away from the plot of this story of two guys sitting in a room talking about philosophy, oh, um, it, it is very much uh, a faithful adaptation in, a, in the stricter sense, I guess, rather or the least stricter sense. I, I think you'll very much enjoy it, Mr. Jimmer. I'm very
2: fascinated to see it. As a, I, mean, I think this kind of story has been updated several times. I mean, um, Ramsay Campbell, who started doing Lovecraftian fiction, um, in his second book, Demons, I think it's in Demons from Daylight, he has a story called The Render of Veils, mm-hmm. um, where a chap meets a, a man with an interest in esoteric things and. This chap says he's been researching this ancient being called uh, Deolath, with the render of veils, and he has this strange kind of architect, which is this artifact, rather, that's um, described as a collection of, like, discs and tubes. It's like, It looks like a modernist sculpture. If you meditate on it, um, this other dimension of the worldly god will grant you um- vi- powers of vision beyond the normal be able to see beyond the re- the veils of reality, and they embark on an experiment and um much like in from beyond things go horribly wrong for both of them, and <laughs> one winds up dead <laughs> <laughs> and when they see what's what's really out there um the twist in that is um one kills the other because he, he just sees this hideous monster, this you know strange being of shifting planes and shapes and it he doesn't can't recognize it's the man in the room anymore because he doesn't know where anything or anyone is that makes me
0: think of uh they live and eight o'clock in the morning as well where you've got sort of tilling glass glasses on right mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, reality mm. um not so much of of the the animal you know the little amoeba that surround us and pass through us and uh, live in us, uh, but you can see the the political version of that, right? right. Mm-hmm. You can see the conspiracy rather than yeah. sense it.
3: I got one that can see!
0: That's right.
3: <laughs> yeah, so, and then they, so they act badly once Roddy Piper, yeah, starts acting upon the knowledge that he can see these beings floating around, running
0: having, around. Having the veil lifted uh, is, is sort of the opposite of putting the glasses on, but in reality, right? Uh, in, in the science, you do put the glass, right? You put the microscope to your eyes, right? Rather uh-huh. than you have the scales lifted from your eyes, as they say, right? Uh, so it's it's the fantasy version versus the science version. Is is uh, fantasy all will be revealed, the veil will be lifted, and in the science, um, put this resonator near your head, take this <laughs> drug, right, um, oh. and I think, also, Mr. Jimmon, you'll you'll see connections uh, uh, from Banshee Chapter to um, Stranger Things, the mm. Netflix show. Have you seen that one, Paul? Str- Which one? The uh, show called Stranger Things. On I,
3: I keep hearing about it all over the internet, but I have not yet seen it.
0: Yeah, so Mr. Jim Moon's done two shows on it, um, and The Hounds of Tindalos is... is uh, is referenced well is sort of related but i think the banshee chapter has a lot of um uh it's sort of government testing and secret facilities right, uh, MK right. ultra stuff uh and it, there is even a patient 11 in in banshee chapter which <laughs> ties very much into stranger things and the way it does things but um the uh the the tests there are for um, in Stranger Things, are for they're trying to c- perhaps create uh, a, a person who has the power to assassinate at a distance, you know, like the cl- clairvoyant or far-seeing right. um, uh, experiments. We can know what's going on in the heart of Russia without having to send agents there. We can just have them strapped in uh, on tables in rooms and have them write down the reports afterwards. But uh, it also ties in to um i think stranger things does ties into uh the stephen king story the mist Uh where the gate once you know they at some secret facility they've they've opened a gate uh to another reality that ties into stranger things very well but also that they can get to our reality rather than we can just go to them they can come to us and once unleashed uh in banshee chapter um they are transmit they are the ones doing the transmitting right they are the ones sending the message on how to break through to their world and so it's not just a passive um see in, in Tillinghast's version he is in control what's so amazing is he thinks that he is the master of this new world he's created or found, yep. um and he says things like I have pulled down demons from the stars, right? In a, in the same way that uh, in Hypnos uh, by Lovecraft, the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, characters are fleeing a demon, a demon from the demon star. In fact, right, Algol. There we go. <laughs> and uh, that that he, our, our narrator in From Beyond, when he looks uh, at what he's seeing from the resonator and the light that it's creating he he sees um what he thought was the distorted face of Sh- Tillingast in a in the glowing suns of a constellation of our galaxy he sees Tillingast's face in the sky like he's becoming uh, mm. a, a god in this in the if we want to tie it into Philip K Dick and in sort of the eldritch palmer sort of sense right? mm. Yeah, that's good. That's a good, that's a good tie in there. And yet, uh, at the end of the story, uh, he's dead, or has he just passed beyond? As as they did in the nineteen eighty six film, the it, the the gast analog, the creator of the of the machine, is consumed, but he comes back. He's he is in control. It's uh, it's very rich. This little short story.
3: I, I find it interesting that he, he escapes not by shooting tilling gas but by shooting the machine right it, It's always hmm. indirect way of escaping those horrors is not to destroy its creator but destroy that window basically smashing it and and tilling gas conveniently can get, has died of uh, apoplexy I believe it is.
0: <laughs> Whatever that is, I'm, I'm not really understood. I don't think anybody knows what apoplexy is, do they? It's one of those catch-all medical terms from
2: bygone days, of, yeah. Yeah. Like, like hysteria. Um, yeah. We mean yeah. hysteria, men from, from but, apoplexy. I think if I remember that's right, that's right. That sounds right. But the, but I the, the, wonder the, the, is it because the connection was
0: broke? I think that there's uh, something to that because he says, you know, he's the master of this new realm, and and he's he's like it's. The reason he's brought the narrator back after 10 weeks is not just to show off, which he wants to do, um, but also, you know, he, his physical form is be- becoming damaged by his neglect of it, I think. Um, mm. He's traveling in that realm, sitting in that chair, not eating, right? He's lost a lot of weight. He's, his hair's turned white. His beard is full, uh, out of control, Right. And he says, uh, right before the, the shot, right? He says, um, my pets are not pretty, for they come from, I love this line, for they come out of places where aesthetic standards are very different.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Disintegration is quite painless, I assure you, but I want you to see them. I almost saw them, but I knew how to stop. That's very interesting. I almost saw uh, So he knows mm-hmm. about them. He can detect them, but he hasn't seen them. You are not curious? I always knew you were no scientist. Trembling, eh? Trembling with anxiety to see the ultimate things I have discovered? Why don't you move then? As soon as he moves, he's going to get eaten, right? Tired? Well, don't worry, my friend, for they are coming. Look! Look! Curse you! Look! It's just over your left
3: shoulder! Try to egg him on to, to make that fatal mistake.
0: Right, if he does look over his left shoulder... Yep. it's gonna eat him right and then the story cut off page break right um, the remainder of the story I will tell in retrospect <laughs> mm. and uh, I think I think that that there's it is he is he dead or has he passed beyond to uh, that realm and become one of them
3: maybe I, I, I mean and, and, and was it was this all in his imagination, or did did he hallucinate all this? The the last line of the story makes it clear that everything, that this is a true story. What chill, what prevents me from believing the doctor is this one simple fact that the police never found the bodies of those servants whom they say Crawford Tillingas murdered. And, so indeed, yes, this was. I mean, because without that, you could possibly say that this was all hallucinatory fantasy, you could say it was all in the narrator's head, it didn't really happen, that, yeah, he he might have shot something, but he didn't actually see these creatures or any any of this, it's all made up, but the fact that the bodies disappeared kind of kind of solidifies, yep, this really happened, those things are really still out there, and you, the reader, should beware.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think think that's um, made... uh made clear in in the film adaptations in both of them that uh the ending yeah that it, we're not safe just because um just because you know the machines destroyed or the or the creatures destroyed that's not well, the end of it
3: no it's not the end of it but.
0: um I, I i think that uh banshee chapters is actually a superior adaptation even though it's far farther from the plot uh, abandoning tillengast and the uh, the resonator altogether i think it's it's uh, an even more faithful adaptation in a certain sense because it is less about sex um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> than it is about uh the chilling realization of 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 what what's out there and what's coming and that it it's it's a it's not just Uh, It's not just that amoebas are there and they... Isn't that interesting? Uh, It's that there's something else there. That it's their own predatory ecosystem. And um, someone like Tillinghast thinks, I can command this. right? This is mine. My world. I control it. Uh, Whether he's alive and controlling that other world or whether he is a victim of it uh, is... (laughs) <laughs> Neither of them is a good prospect for us, is what I think. <laughs> the story is, is pointing towards.
3: It, it, it does get to that whole existential horror that Lovecraft does about yeah the, the we're, we're, we're a tine, we are the tiny little drop in of water, and the the great world outside is dark and terrible. And what you and revelation of that is uh, mind blowing and and. Insanity-shattering. Mm-hmm. Aren't, aren't you lucky not to have, uh, not not to know these things? Oh, wait. I'm sorry, dear reader. I just revealed them to you.
0: Yep.
3: Sleep well at night.
0: <laughs> Nighty night. <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs>